welcome to the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou. A reminder, we are streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday between 1 and 3 p.m. Join my producer and co-host, Alex Wong. Alex, are you all right, man? Yeah, it was good, man. The energy pre-show has not been... Has not no, been sky right. high. I don't know. You know how it is, man. I, I try Uh-oh. to preserve myself. Sounds like somebody's <laughs> got a case of the Mondays. I got a case of the Mondays, man. I'm just having my first coffee of the day. You know what I'm saying? Getting settled in. We're going to dissect. It's a true true crime podcast today. We're going to dissect the crime scene from Philadelphia. Oh, it wasn't that bad. On Saturday, the it Raptors was. are back in action tonight. It wasn't that bad? Is that what you're saying? I mean, no, it, it was, it was, it was pretty uh, I'm bad. I'm just trying to put a positive spin. on Yeah, it. yeah, don't worry. Because we've, a, it's like a bizarro scenario on the show today. Like, I feel like I'm having to pick up your energy rather. No, 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 no. Trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm turned up. Is that what the kids say these days? All right. No. Okay. Anyway, talk about basketball. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or ask me about me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Let's save that for. <laughs> let's save that for the second segment. Okay. But yes, I think the the big news we need to lead off. Obviously, Scotty Barnes got injured. In game one, he showed up to shoot around this morning in a walking boot, was in good spirits by all accounts, but he is out tonight. Mm. Thaddeus Young was there taking shots. He hurt his thumb. He is hopefully going to be ready to go tonight. Gary Trent Jr., non-COVID illness, was not a shoot around today. So you're telling me the Raptors are down three rotation players potentially tonight after one playoff game. Yeah, I think that's actually the more devastating part of game one. Um, you know, obviously losing in that fashion is is not great. And, of course, Philadelphia played really well. And, um, you know, Tyrese Maxey was a huge problem. Uh, even Honestly, even Tobias Harris is a huge problem. I don't know. Um, but at the same time, it's really just the injuries. Like, you can't cut three guys from this team, two starters, and your most dependable bench player which I've, I've already upgraded Thad into that situation because for me, in a pressure scenario, I can trust a veteran who's not going to be out there being making erratic plays or like fouling out in 15 minutes or Precious taking a rush three. Like, you know, I, I don't think Thad's going to do any of that. So a guy who is very dependable, if you lose three of those guys, even for one game of the series, then it really, really puts you down. Um, so that, more than anything else, is, is a depressing part. I think really you can look at game one tactically you can look at it in terms of like you can make adjustments it's what the playoffs are all about and you hope to make all those adjustments but i don't know i can't name another three raptors who can step in and uh fill in quite a bit so i think nick's probably gonna have to shorten the rotation to um make it happen and then you probably have to trust one or two guys to start popping off the bench but you know realistically how much would you expect like a you know Utah to step in and, and do a great job on the road or like you know Armani Brooks or Malachi Flynn. Like, those aren't fantastic options. And by the way, when you're talking about only three guys going down, I mean, there was a lot of just, like, pure carnage that came out of that game one because you got Ken Birch getting elbowed in the head. Yeah, he went in concussion protocols and cleared it. Yeah. Um, who else, man? Thad Young obviously got hit. Thad, so Thad was, I mean, he was just diving for a loose ball with, with James Harden. Yeah, OG, and, and OG lost, his lost his tooth. No, so apparently there was some people speculated that it was his tooth that it was, was lost, but it was, but it was, his, it was his contact. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to uh, Sportsman's Danielle Michaud, friend of the program, former um, Raptor Show Global Ambassador, who was you know down in Philly. And yeah, she's at the crime asked, scene in Philadelphia. No, it wasn't yeah. the crime scene, man. Relax, okay. All right. This guy sounds like um, 
Who's the guy in CSI Miami? The guy who... I don't know. I don't watch CSI Miami. David Caruso? Excited for Better Alex Call Caruso. Saul tonight, though. Two episodes. Okay, we're not at that point in the show yet. But, oh, okay. Um, like, so OG's fine. He, he lost the contact, but he took a pretty hard hit um, from James Harden, who was driving and then caught him with an elbow on a follow-through. Uh, what else? Scotty, before getting his ankle stepped on um, by a giant, uh, had his face mashed by that same giant yes. that flagrant one foul an elbow to yeah. the face well listen so last week the, you know it, it was a it was a rough game one yeah it was a rough game one but i don't know for some reason i'm feeling optimistic no i'm feeling good too i'm even are you guarantee a victory tonight and then come in no, here please, tomorrow no more alex won't guarantee issue an apology but like last time you guaranteed something you said Kawhi was coming back <laughs> no remember i guaranteed that bucks win earlier this year at home anyways we can move on. I guess okay. people don't remember regular season predictions. But remember last week we were in here with Vivek Jacob and you were going through like the concern meter, the mm-hmm. anxiety meter. Yeah. And the one thing that I gave, I think I gave a 9 out of 10 was when you're asking about the whistle. When yep. you're asking about the refereeing. And I think the Sixers clearly got the better of that in game one. And I think the referees let them play in, in that way where a lot of that physicality was allowed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can start with eight seconds into the game, the first possession. Mm. Fred is just playing defense on Tyrese Maxey. Their names are. Yeah. And Jason Goble. By the way, Jason <sighs> Goble was a very chaotic spelling of Jason. Yeah? Yeah. What How do you think it? Jason spells his name? Uh, uh, does it start with a J? Yes, it does. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. Y-A-S-O-N. <laughs> Jason. No, that, no, How honestly, do you spell that it? Tell me. J-A-I? It's like O-N? J-A-C-Y-N. Okay. Okay. That's very chaotic. Yeah, man, we're already at dissecting referees' names. Come on now. That's, um, that's what I do. Their eight, names are. Eight seconds into the game, I think the tone was set right away. Fred gets called yeah. for his first foul. He's got two on nothing, fouls. By right the way. Away. Like, literally on nothing. Like, it was so he bodies up on Tyrese, doesn't push him or anything. Tyrese stumbles, but like maintains control of the ball. He's just going to get back up. There was no chance of even a turnover or anything like that. It's like literally a play that will happen 50 times a game. But that's a tone-setting call for the game. Yes. Like, and it just continued from there. And then let's be clear. I mean, even before the Scotty injury, the game was lost. Like, like the Raptors were trailing by 20-plus. By I think they made a couple of small runs there in the third yeah. quarter. But they just had no answer for Tyrese Maxey. He had, like, what, 21 points alone in the third quarter. Mm. I mean, that was one of the best offensive performances of all time, like, based on, like, Oh, yeah. The Offensive statistics. rating yeah, yeah, yeah. on statistics and all of that stuff. Yeah, John Truma of ESPN, or not ESPN, of uh, NBA.com, NBA.com yeah. said it was the third most efficient game in, in terms of offici- uh, offensive rating. In the last 26 years. Yeah, of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's only been 11 times in the last 26 years where a team scored at least 140 points per 100 <laughs> possessions. And the Sixers had an <laughs> offensive rating of 147 Point two. Yeah. Forget about the injuries. We can't forget it because clearly it's going to impact this series and tonight's game. But uh-huh. when you're looking at tonight's game, it's got to start with the defense. It's got to start Absolutely. with winning the possession battle, forcing more turnovers, offensive rebounds, because that Raptors team in game one, not the Raptors team that I think a lot of people picked to upset the Sixers and then not the Raptors team that we saw in the last month of the season. Reminded me a lot of them coming out of the all-star break and laying two eggs against Atlanta and Charlotte. And, you know, the good thing is this team always does respond. Again, mm. how many bodies do they have tonight to respond with is, is the bigger problem. But I am expecting a way better performance tonight. 
Yeah, look, of course you would you would expect that because, you know, <laughs> uh, no one wants to see a repeat of this. Um, yeah, I mean, the Raptors' defense was so bad, they made uh, Philadelphia look like Detroit. Mm. Damn. Yeah. Mm. So, that hurts. Yeah, that Phil- actually hurts. Philadelphia had 131 points. They only took 84 shots. Oh, my God. Think about that. 131 on 84 shots. Of course, they went to the free throw line quite a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it was obviously a really good performance from Philadelphia, I think. Um, you know, uh, number one, how do you adjust to this? That's the playoffs. You know, you adjust game to game. It's a chess match. You trust, you know, Nick Nurse to do it, right? How many times do we say it's Nicky Nurse baby on the show last week? They better be saying it a couple more times tonight. No, this yeah. is a Nicky Nurse game. Okay. This, this is, is a- Nicky Nurse, baby. Yeah, it, okay. it, it better be a Nicky Nurse game because, like, you're going to need to adjust. I have to give Glenn Rivers a lot of credit. I hate to see it. I think he got his uh, undergrad yesterday. Our undergrad on the weekend. All okay. right, he's, he's still missing a couple credits though. It's just one game. He's a, he's a third of the way there for okay. me. But yeah. um, no, I mean, I think for Philadelphia, what they did was really interesting. So, there's so much talk about Matisse Thybul, you know, his absence, whatever. Did you even notice Matisse in the game? No, I only oh. noticed Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. Yeah, so Matisse didn't really factor in that much. Played 19 minutes. Some of that was even garbage time. He didn't actually matter that much. He wasn't really playing that that, that much defensively either. What? Glenn did was limit the minutes for all of his non-shooters, right? He, he did play Paul Reed, but only 11 minutes. Tybal played 19 off the bench. Shake Milton was in the rotation, 14 minutes. He hit a three. He also got fouled on a three. Georges Niang played, right? But, like, everybody on that team was was ready to shoot, ready to go. They played very fast, which is, I think, something that's run counter to the way Philly has played this season. Played in a lot of the open floor. Um they they were really good at boxing out and attentive at boxing out. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you think about it, and I remember even, you know, last week when we did a, a week straight of previews, you know, I brought up the idea, like Tyrese was saying, if if we limit transition and keep the Raptors off the offensive glass, I think we'll be good. And then I posed that question to Wolfon, and Wolfon kind of laughed. He's like, oh, yeah, why doesn't every team do that? But there was some merit to that, right? Did that not happen? And I'm not saying that that's always going to stay that way. I think the Raptors can, you know, obviously play better and all that stuff. But to me, when I was looking at it, even just looking at the film the next day, it was like, so, you know, throughout the previews, I was looking at the, the other games that the Raptors played. And I think one of the stats I pointed out was James Harden conceded like eight offensive rebounds on his own. Like the Raptors, whoever was James Harden's man on offense, as soon as the shot went up, they would jump over his back and get the rebound. And he just wasn't paying much attention. I was watching it yesterday, and it was like, oh, yeah. He had his back turned. He was looking to box out. And turns out a man can box out and, and keep you off the offensive glass. Right? So I think there were, like, lots of points of emphasis for Philadelphia that they hit that was good. So you had to really give Rivers a lot of credit there. Um, on the flip side, though, I think for the Raptors, defensively, they didn't really execute their stuff very well whatsoever. When you look back on the film, now – James Harden hit a couple of step back jumpers, which was, you know, what he does. Got he, he grifted his way to the free throw line a little bit. But for the most part, the Raptors did a good job of limiting Embiid and Harden's individual offense, right? They combined for 11 total made field goals. Quite frankly, those guys can each have 11 field goals, right? So you might think that that's good. However, the Raptors didn't force any turnovers out of those two guys. Only two for, for, for guys who had the, the ball the whole game. The, the Sixers, by the way, only turned the ball over three times. And when you look at the film, it felt like the Raptors 
overreacted to James Harden. They just kept leaving Tobias Harris open and Tyrese Maxey open. And now, there's, of course, it's not that simple. It's not like, oh, yeah, you, you, you either leave them open or you stay on them or whatever. There's an in-between. There's like a different – there's a gradient to how open you leave a guy, right? What you saw against Harden was that they were so anxious about sending help against Harden that they were leaving them so wide open that either they can just hit the shot or they can attack the closeout and score. And make no mistake, Maxi and, and Harris are pretty good offensive players where they can hurt you on that. So even if you do want to help off of them, which I do think that the Raptors will probably stick with that strategy in game two, it's about executing it better. It's about not helping when you don't need to. It's about also if you do help, how much do you come over and help? How, how many steps are you away from the ball? How aware are you of, of situations happening off the ball? Because you also can't give up so many open shots. Like, you can't say to yourself, I'm so worried about James Harden driving and beating his man one-on-one when he has, by the way, shown little evidence of that so far. Even in yesterday's game I, or I, uh, Saturday's game, I don't think he, like, killed the Raptors one-on-one scoring that much. You can't be so afraid of that that you're willing to give up wide-open shots to guys who can actually hit them. Now, of course, I don't expect them to hit them at this exact rate. That's fine. But I think overall, on the, on, on the defensive end, you have to strike a better balance. And especially when you look over the film, and I definitely went through and clipped this, you know, there was tons of mistakes on that front. And to be fair, I think that that's to be expected. Your natural inclination, when James Harden has the ball and he's, he's such a wizard with the ball, it's like, okay, you're going to watch the ball. But you have to fight that instinct. When you see James Harden driving downhill... And the Raptors' principles all season has been, let's let's collapse the, the the paint. And of course, there's natural instinct. That's James Harden, like former scoring champion, assist champion, MVP in this league, multiple time All Star, top seventy five player of all time, all this other stuff. It's like, I need to send help. That's James Harden. But you have to fight those instincts, and you have to like stay home a little bit longer, and you know follow the game plan. The game plan against James Harden is you're going to play him tight one on one. If he drives downhill, that's okay. What you do is you send help at the last second right under the basket and you stand straight up. You can jump if you want to, if you really think that you can vertically challenge, like you do the verticality thing, but that's the game plan. You send help last second at the basket to contest the layups and make him shoot floaters and stuff like that. But what the Raptors did was they helped so early that all it, all Harden needed to do was just flip the ball over to the corner and they would get open shots. So those are things that you can correct in film session, and I expect the Raptors to do so because, quite frankly, if you don't do that, then you might have another situation where Philadelphia maybe doesn't burn you for 131 points, but they could easily get 120 because Harden's a really good passer, and f- quite frankly, he's a very willing passer. So there's things to adjust for, and um, I'm I'm sure that that's what the highlight of yesterday's practice was. Yeah, James Harden ended up with 14 assists. Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris combined for, wow, 64 points. 23 of 35 yeah, it was from the field. Yeah, so you mentioned Joel Embiid. So he shot 5 for 15 from mm-hmm. the field, went to the line 11 times, 19 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, here's a clip uh, of Nick Nurse after game one talking about uh, the defense on Joel Embiid and, and the refs really allowing uh, the Sixers to get away with some stuff. We got to believe that if we're legal defensively, that they're going to call those. Right? Like, we had a couple times where we beat him to the spot and he bowled us right over and they just let him lay it in. They, I mean, if I don't care if you're five foot 11 and 160 pounds. If you beat him to the spot and he runs you over, it's a foul. 
I thought he threw three or four elbows to the face. He got called for one. Okay? I mean, we're going to stand in there, but we just, we just need, if we're legal defensively, then we got to have him called or we don't have a chance. Period. You don't, no, no, nobody can guard that guy if, if he's just going to let him run. He's gonna, you know, they're just going to let him run you over time and time again. But we're going to stand in there and we'll, we'll, we'll see if, if, the, if we don't get a few more elbow to the face calls and a few more beating him to the spot calls. So Nick is saying, uh, let us play uh, ethical defense. Uh, when you're watching the tape, uh, what are you seeing in terms of some of those calls that Nick was referencing? Yeah, no, I, I could see like where he would be upset. There were like three or four instances where the Raptors were in place, built the wall, hand straight up. Either it was Chris Boucher and 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 Bede would just like go up and they give him the free throw, or um, you know the play where Ken Burch is standing right in front of him and Bede bowls him, lowers his shoulder, knocks him over trips over his carcass as he's shooting and they call the foul on, on, on Ken Birch. And it's like, okay, so those are very frustrating because literally if you allow that, first off, those are just like, you know, th- those either aren't fouls or th- some of those are quite frankly offensive fouls. Like if you allow that, you know, then what do you really do, right? This is not even going to be a series. I think that's why Nick was so quick to point it out. Look, I thought Nick was always going to talk about the officiating at some point. And that was like halfway he talked about it. Like, I don't even think Nick will get fined for that. You know? So, that won't be the last time. And quite frankly, if you've ever watched a a Sixers game with these two, that wasn't even that bad. There were some tricks and stuff like that. And again, I went through and put a highlight reel together. The responses became so toxic on Twitter, I literally just, like, stopped using Twitter for a whole day. (laughs) Twitter toxic during the playoffs? Yes. No, I literally stopped. It was either Raptor fans being like, the NBA is, you know, is is cheating us out of a a championship, or it was, like, (laughs) Sixer fans being like, these are all fouls, and and you don't know ball. And I'm like, I don't need to use my app. I'm good. I have lots of apps on my phone. The fact that I have, you know, I could just disconnect. So are you saying you took a holistic approach this weekend? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me about earlier, but that's fine. We'll we'll get into nitty-gritty right here, and it's like, I think what Nick is saying is really just like, give us a chance to play basketball. Yep. Right? Um, of, of course, there are things that you get upset by. Like when Embiid elbowed Ken Birch in the temple and he fell down for the whole possession because, you know, a 300-pound man elbowed him in the temple. Um, and the referees just don't call anything. And the play goes on. It's four on five. And the Raptors go on. And they score four on five. And then they still don't really get Ken back into the play. And it's like, okay. You know, you might want to call that, you know, once in a while. If guys are in legal help position, you have to, like, give the Raptors that chance to actually guard rather than just giving him these calls. But having said that, though, Embiid and Harden combined for, what, 18 free throws? That's very normal. You're kind of you're kind of more or less actually going to have to live with that for the most part. So I think... Um, you know, it's it's fine for Nick to point that out, but I don't I don't think he actually went all the way in on the officials as he could have. I think some of the other calls, though, like you know, they 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 do add up, they do frustrate you, but also ultimately at the end of the day, you look at a scenario like the Sixers getting to the free throw line thirty four times. That's not that much of a surprise. I think what hurt you the most was the fact that you had two rotation players fouling out. You had Scotty Barnes who had his ankle stepped over. He's writhing on the floor in pain, and the officials don't even stop the game. They're like, yeah, he's fine. He's flopping. They're like, are you serious? <laughs> and that so, was at the same time that Fred fouled out. So right? Fred had to take a sixth foul yeah. just to, like, bring assistance to the game. 
because the officials couldn't see anything, right? Like, those things are obviously going to frustrate you after a game. But ultimately, you're going to have to live with the fact that the Sixers are going to shoot more free throws than you. That's just how it is. Which, by the way, it is kind of funny to me that the NBA is, like, the one sport where you're just, like, the average fan is just, like, made to accept that rules are slightly different for star players. They're like it's just like two sets of rules, right? Like you know, it's like you know, obviously I'm wearing like a Liverpool kit right now, right? But like I, I know what a foul is in soccer, right? You can you know like there are certain things that are clearly fouls. I'm not even saying you know like soccer officiating is the best, but like the rules are the rules for everybody. You know the rules are the rules for everybody in hockey. There's not like oh yeah you know Sidney Crosby is just allowed to trip people because he's Sidney Crosby. Yeah, name two more hockey superstars as examples. Uh, Austin Matthews. Damn. Um, who's Case? Not, <laughs> Kerfoot? You don't have John Tavares. Yeah, so oh, there's, a, there's a whiteboard in front of us actually that has three, oh, three lines. Yeah, but I no, get what you're saying. No, you know what I'm, I'm saying? saying? Like, it's not like, oh, yeah, they're just allowed to cross-check because, you know, we have to keep them in the game because that's what's going to bring the fans in. Like, I think the NBA is so desperate sometimes to, like, oh, we have to keep our stars in the game. We have to, like, sell this game that we just create a double standard, which I think is objectively a turnoff. For everybody. It is a turnoff because yeah. it's literally a talking point every single spring when the playoffs start. Yeah. And exactly. and, and that's and that's that's the reason why. But you know, that's uh it's called preferential treatment at the workplace, you know what I'm saying? It happens everywhere. Okay, but it's also called sports. Like the whole idea is you compete <laughs> and see who's who, who wins. In the playoffs, no one's trying to lose. No, trust me, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, Nick also. Anyway, that's not, that's yeah. not the reason why the Raptors lost the game. Can we also be clear about that? That's not the reason no, why the Raptors the, lost the, the game. The Raptors lost because they played terribly. Yeah, exactly. And they, they, didn't, they didn't show up on the defensive end. And the injuries multiply the issues going into tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the presser, Nick also talked about the lack of defensive plays from his own team. Um, here's a clip. Not enough ball pressure, Dave. Not enough active hands. Probably not enough physicality. Um, you know, the things that you need to do to, you know, we, we usually are good at surprising you when you make a turn move or whatever and somebody else is coming in behind. And, and I thought, you know, listen, I thought we got our hands on some tonight. We, we really got, um, well, I thought, I thought some of those were good steals going the other way and didn't turn out that way. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll get some of those clean ones to go our way. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, tough man. Nick, Nick basically said, "Don't officiate us like we're the Orlando Magic. Like, give us some respect." Ah, okay. Do I get to? Do I need to still make a reference or no? Yes, I, I know I, you had one ready. But well, I, I was just... gonna say, you know, on a scale of Kyle Lowry scoring zero points uh, against the Orlando Magic in Game One, yeah. you know, to ten, uh, you know, how 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 bad was this Game One loss? You think in in the history of the Raptors franchise? Oh, I, you want you want to actually do this? Okay, cool. So. Um, yeah, I, I saw that you had this note in the rundown and we were going to talk about this. So I actually went through just really quickly and looked at some of the bad game one losses. Are we counting only first round or can we count later rounds? Oh, as no, well? no, no. Game one is game one. Okay. Game so, one is universal, whether it's okay. in so, quick, any quick, round. The quick, Raptors are quick, probably going to lose. Yeah, yeah, quick mini draft. Uh, I think the first overall pick has to be the game one against the Cavs. Yeah, 2018. That's yeah. that's objective. Ian Eagle saying, there's a lid on the rim <laughs> after... Uh, <laughs> DeMar drove baseline, drew two defenders, kicked out Fred wide uh, open for three. Fred, of all people, misses the three. Um, but the Raptors get the tip in. I think CJ Miles had a chance at it. I think JV had multiple chances at it. DeMar might have been in on the mix as well. And they just wouldn't hit the shot. And, of course, the Raptors went on to lose in overtime and get swept in that series. Um, I also see you have the Orlando game where Kyle scored zero and DJ Augustine had 25 and hit the game winner over two 
Defensive Players of the Year. <laughs> we just didn't talk Literally, to each other. <laughs> two Defensive Players of the Year, Kawhi Leonard, Mark Gasol, and it was DJ Augustine who hit the shot over both. Of them. Kawhi was sending kind of amazing. Kawhi was sending Morse code to Demar Gasol to switch. Demar, yo, Kawhi didn't even say hey, hey, hey. He wasn't even like hey, that, hey, that hey, was step up mo- on the screen. <laughs> That's the moment when I knew Kawhi wasn't talking to anybody yeah. in that locker room. Uh, what what else you got in the in the game one? Okay, so even going back to the last time the Raptors even played in the playoffs. Yep. 2020 inside the bubble game one against the, the Celtics. You remember that? That game was genuinely depressing. Yeah, that was a tough. So they one. lose 112 to 94. The Raptors shot 37 percent from the field in that game. Yeah, that was a disgusting game. It was really nasty. I was looking at the box score. Fred was like 417. Pascal was like five of 15. Kyle was like four of 12. Norm was like four of 16. It was like, how did the Raptors even have 94 points? Um, 2017, the Raptors lose two game ones that year. All right, there's that one game one where. LeBron is beating the Raptors and he almost sips the beer. Remember that? Is this the one where Kyrie and LeBron combine on an alley oop like yes. two minutes in? Literally two minutes in. I've the never game. seen a playoff series end with 10, 15 left in the first quarter yeah. of game you one. Know, you know how quickly Jason Goble called that foul on Fred Van Vliet? That's how quickly <laughs> LeBron James called series. He's, he's a global ambassador. <laughs> All right. It was like two minutes into the game. The series the, was the, over. The Cavs got on the fast break. Kyrie throws a lob off the glass to LeBron, who catches it one hand, flushes it. As if it was like the Christmas game or something, or like an all-star game, right? But later in that game, LeBron beats uh, Serge Ibaka off the dribble, doesn't get the and one to drop. He's kind of like upset or whatever. Runs to the corner, and it just happens to be like a, an attendant there. Yep. And he picks up the beer, pretends to drink it, and he puts it back. And J.R. Smith is like dying and laughing and stuff like that. Bro, this like, was game one. That was game one. Of a best of seven. But that wasn't the worst game one of 2017. Because in the first round, when the Raptors lost to Milwaukee... They lost 97 to 83, which I think was the final score of the home opener, by the way. Very, very close to it, actually, this year. But in that game, how many points do you think Kyle scored? I'm going to say seven. Less. Four. Oh, my God. Kyle scored four points in a 97 to 83 loss in game seven, game one. The Raptors shot 36% overall. Kyle Lowry got outscored by Matthew Delvadova coming off the bench from Milwaukee. And, and Delvadova oh, didn't even God. have a good game. He shot like three of nine, but he had 11 points. The human bed bug. Yeah. Um, 2018, right? We talked about that. 2016, none of them are like that bad to me, but at the same time, has any team in the history of the NBA lost three game ones in one playoff run? So this was Indiana, Miami, Miami, Cleveland. Cleveland. They got blown out, I think, right away. Yeah. Has any team you think in the history of basketball had a playoff run where they lost three game ones? Well, the wild thing about that run too is you remember that Miami game one, Kyle hitting that ridiculous shot. Yeah. From like beyond half court, I think, right? Like yeah, yeah. to send the game into overtime and then they lose. And then Kyle comes back out after because he was in a shooting slump mm-hmm. yeah. to practice shooting. Like the Raptors just find like the most ridiculous and dramatic ways. Yeah, we're to always lose too game. dramatic again. Well, why one. can't it just be a standard, you know, toe to toe battle with the Sixers and you just lose by seven points because yeah. James Harden hit a setback three yeah. with a minute left to put the game away? But no, we got to get blown out. We got guys in concussion protocol. People got to drink beer. We lose our rookie just when he was like, what, yeah. two assists away, I think, from a triple-double. Yep. And by the way, like, I think I think we should mention that too. Like, Scotty, oh, yeah, yeah. Scotty looked ready for the no, moment. He, looks, he looked great. And that makes the injury even more crushing. That, but that's the only thing to me that is crushing. Because I think the Raptors could just straight up come back and, like, make this a series. Like, I don't think the series is over. But the injuries really do throw a wrench into that. Because, of course, any as any team would, if you lose three rotation players... You're going to be down bad. Which, by the way, speaking of down bad, 2015, game one. Remember that? Uh, Washington? 
Yes. Yes. Uh, Randy Whitman with the upside down clipboard. Gravis hit a three to send it into overtime. Did the shimmy. Yeah. Getting swept by Randy Whitman. Man. That's that's on that's on Dwayne's resume. Listen, <laughs> shouts I, to Dwayne. I, I, shouts to Dwayne. He wore the championship ring to the podium afterwards. Uh, um, from from Dallas as an assistant. Well, that you know what? Some of those hurt more in retrospect because they led to sweeps, and yes. and that Washington sweep no no no, no. Was that, that that game one was really sad because look, <sighs> salute to Gravis Vasquez. It's a great shot. Gravis Vasquez should not be the one shimming, shimming for your team. Can we just be honest about that? Yeah, he he's no he's no Trey Young, is what you're he saying. He wasn't the first option. Yeah. He wasn't the second option. He wasn't the third option. He yeah. wasn't even the fourth option. But he was the one taking the big shot and tying it into an eight overtime. Which again, salute to to him. But that suggests there's a problem on your team. Like imagine like you're playing uh the Sixers and at the end of the game, it's a close game, Danny Green ISOs, hits a three. And then, like, shimmies on you. You're like, come on, man. That's not what's supposed to happen. Like, you're not that worried about it. You're annoyed, but you're not that worried. So, anyway. So, yeah, game ones for the Raptors, not good. Um, what What's the history now? Five of five and 17? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. The last time they won a game one on the road was 2001 when Raptors played the Sixers. Right mm-hmm. after they upset the Knicks in mm-hmm. game five at Madison Square yeah, Garden. Went in and played. Yeah, 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 it's, it's been a long time. And, man. Can't believe they added another one to the list on Saturday. But listen, <laughs> uh, here here's one more clip from from Nick Nurse about what the Raptors need to do uh, to respond in Game Two. They were highly motivated and ready to go. Um, I think there's a lot of expectations on them. I think they were going to try to uh, bully us right off the floor and deliver a blow to see if we'll go away. Now we're going to find out if we will or not. Yeah, I think, listen, every playoff game takes on a different narrative, different flow. So let's just see what happens tonight. I think clearly, given the bodies that are, you know, potentially going to be missing, they're going to need, this is the game for Fred, Pascal, and OG. Yeah, like, like know, this is sure. the game for those trio. Up. Like, yep. they got to step up. If if the Raptors are going to win, I think two of those three players at least have to be, you know, the best players on the floor tonight. Is that too much of an ask? I don't know. No, it's not. So It's not. It's a big ask, but it's also what you would need to do to win the game. So. I believe in this team. I mean, I think they, yeah, they, they have bounced back all year. And I, yeah. I think, you know, think about all the shows that we do. Every time we've come in here celebrating, they've let us down. Every time they let us down, they, they let us celebrate again. So it's, it's, it's up and down. So you know what? Let's, let's get this win tonight, man. I'm feeling better. Yeah, let's go. I'm, I'm happy I talked to you. Um, into a slightly more positive mood. By the way, I see some gray hairs coming through for you under that speed hat. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm no, 37, I, I, man. Of course I have gray hairs. No, no, no. That's a, that's on, a new man. one, man. I, I, I sit beside you every day and, on, I, and I look at the side of your head. This, and... guy, this guy said I spotted a new gray hair. Nah, I'm, I'm going to take, take a photo of this, put it Listen, on, on social. This guy's curly me check that. Earl Gray, man. Yeah, no, but, no, no. no. Anyway, um, I'm your host, Will Loop. That's Alex Wong. You've been listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. To the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590, the fan powered by DoorDash. I'm your host, Walu. That's Alex Wong. We're still talking about game one against 
the Sixers. Raptors losing by a score of 131 to 111 to fall down 0-1 in the series. Game two will be taking place tonight in Philadelphia. Raptors short at least one body, but quite frankly, quite possibly short three bodies. And uh, yeah, Alex, I thought you were going to ask me at the start of the show about, you know, just my holistic approach because I think that, um, you know, the game happened on Saturday and then Sunday happened. You know, happy Easter to people who celebrated. And then... Yeah, I thought it wasn't about you. That's why I didn't want to lead off. Oh, with it, why, is it, why is it the first item in the chart then? Anyways, how was your holistic approach this weekend after the game one loss? Yeah, so, you know, first off, um, after the game on, you know, Saturday, I I don't know. It just drained me so much to talk about the game. I was like, no, I'm going to, I thought I was going to go through and do the film st- session and stay up late and, and write 10 things. And I was like, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to go to sleep early, wake up early, make breakfast, and then really dive in, which is exactly what I did. So literally, you know, woke up 8 o'clock on the Sunday. What did you make for breakfast? I had, um, what did I have? I don't know, like just oatmeal and stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it wasn't much of a making breakfast kind of day. I kind of made some oatmeal and I cut up an orange or whatever. But like um, sat down, walked, watched the film, clipped the film. I have like, you know, lots of files in my laptop from just watching the film. And then I kind of broke it down, put some videos out, and then wrote 10 things. All that took about, I don't know, two and a half hours. So it was about noon. And I was like, oh, okay, well, the games are about to happen. Like Miami's about to play um, game one against Atlanta. And then after that, it was going to be this Brooklyn um, game against, you know, Boston. And, you know, there's a whole slate of NBA games on tonight. And I was like, honestly... I can't let basketball have this much control of my life. Like, t- quite frankly, like, this is it's too much basketball at a certain point, right? And I had watched all the playing games. I had watched all the uh, all the games on, on game one, on day one. Um, and I was like, this is just too much basketball. And I, I was like, I opened my app, and everyone was just complaining and or, or lamenting the loss. And I was just like, even for me, it's too much Raptors basketball. You got to take a break from it. And so that's what I did. Went for a walk in the neighborhood. Ended up at um, a, a taco place, which was great. Sat on the, the patio. It was just, like, slightly warm enough to, like, wear a coat and, like, sit outside and, you know, you know, have some tacos, read, you know, read cover story a little bit. You know. <laughs> this guy's finally on chapter two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know Michael Jordan <laughs> the, retired from basketball. The, anyway. world, the world has to end. The Raptors have to lose a disastrous game one for this guy to finally pull out cover story. Then I was like, no, honestly, like a, a few pages in, I was like, I'm also engaging in basketball. So even though I'm reading your book, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I can't do this. So like I, I went out for a coffee, then walked around, bought some fruit or whatever, came home. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll watch some basketball now. And I was like, nah, what I'm going to do is go watch everything everywhere all at once again oh in theaters so i caught the late viewing um you should have hit me up man ten, i've been i've been wanting to rewatch that movie too I, I thought about hitting you up but i also thought you also we, need I a see break from every me day. <laughs> like to me you're also basketball <laughs> like when i look over at you and your grace i'm like no nah, that's that's aaron gray right there this is not, this is not oh, basketball man. in front of me okay how's, how's my gray hair becoming part of the narrative man yeah no I I, I, honestly i think at the end of the show you're gonna look like gandalf the <laughs> gandalf the white in uh in, in lord of the rings 3 Ooh, but, movie um, reference yes that's right my favorite scene was um anyway uh and then so so you did get away from basketball yeah, and then, and then i watched everything ever all at once for the second time because I, I like i already said last week when i after i watched it my first impression was that might, that might be the greatest move i've ever seen and everybody who's watched it like i've seen just random like social media yeah, yeah. posts and like even some of my friends like my friend john 
the reaction has been the exact same. So all I'm saying is Will is not exaggerating. No, no, I'm, I'm really not. And I was like, okay, look, if it is that good of a movie, if I see it again in theaters, which I almost never do, like I'm not one of those people that goes to, I, I don't know, who, who even does that? Who watched the movie twice in theaters? But I chose to do it. And it hit just the same. Like I was still crying in the theater. I was still, you know, laughing out loud and had a great time. And I was crying about the Raptors. No, <laughs> everyone no. in the theaters. Like, I Yo, genuinely did. I, listen, man, I, was, I had a lot of texts. I had a lot of you know messages and everything like that. A lot of people obviously want to talk Raptors and whatever. Even just like you know, just people around the league and whatever. And I'm just like, nah, I'm 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 chill. Like I, I'm I'm gonna ignore everybody today, you know. And I'm just gonna like actually live a holistic approach like I always say I will and I think it was good to know I think it was just like I hope for members of the Raptors obviously they had practice and you know they had treatment and all that other stuff but I hope they had some chances to quite frankly go to the theater and just like disconnect from basketball a little bit it's look you can't I mean this is coming from me but like you can't do this every single day all the time like you need to literally go out there and touch some grass and for me, I was like, I, I went outside and I proverbially touched grass. I think I probably physically touched grass as well, but you kind of have to. Because, like, what are you going to do? Ruminate on the game one loss that much? Like, yes. At a certain... That's what everyone's doing. Okay. Well, I, I, I did that for the first two hours after wait, or three hours after waking up. And then I, you know, said enough basketball. It's just people putting a, a ball through a hoop. Like, it's not that special. No, I, I, like I even it. watched like Celtics versus Nets, which I thought was like going to be a great game. It was a great game. And on a buzzer beater, I'm like, I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, I think I took a similar. Listen, man, I, I, you know, we joke a lot about me not watching basketball. I mean, it's not a joke, but um, like, you know, I forgot how intense it is to, to really dial yourself in and commit to watching the Raptors in the playoffs. Like, mm. I think there was a lot of anxiousness. You know, on Saturday, I should have known a bad game was coming because I started Saturday doing my taxes. Um, so that was a terrible day. Damn. And then the Raptors, you know, loss. And, you know, I just forgot how exhausting it is to to kind of focus yourself and then really like, you know, just, just dial all the way in for yeah. a Raptors playoff run. And, and though it was only a game one, so similar to you yesterday. Like, you know, I went for like a five-hour walk. Uh, you Dude, know, you love those. picked up this jacket for $30 in Kensington Market. Uh, shouts to Kensington Market. And then I, I was trying to avoid basketball, <laughs> too. Shout out. This guy just shout out <laughs> a whole area of the city, man. And, and then I went to, uh, uh, what shout is out it? the beaches. Hong Kong Bistro Cafe on Dundas. Oh, favorite. That's one of my faves to, to pick up some what, takeout. What do you think? Best meal under $10 in the whole city? Oh, man. That baked pork chop on rice fire but yeah. then i was in there uh waiting for my takeout it was like 15 minutes and on the tv was uh net celtics and there was about seven minutes left so they gave me Wait, my they takeout got they got oh. on, they have a tv and they have cable in there it's Damn, a, it's really a low-key it's a low-key good spot <laughs> so i picked up my food and i was like hey do you mind i'm just gonna sit here and watch the rest of the game so you know i tried to run away from basketball but did get to watch the end yeah. of an absolute classic yeah. And I also forgot about Raptors playoff runs, like how quickly as frustrated you are about a loss that mm-hmm. you bounce back the next day and talk yourself and feel optimistic about the next game again. And yeah. I think that's where we're at. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, listen, if we, if they pull off the the win tonight and of course they're underdogs tonight, they're probably under, they're underdogs in the series period. But like if they pull off the win tonight, all of a sudden you leave Philadelphia series at one, one, you'd be, you'd be really, really happy with that result. Right. So you got to see what happens. And can we also be honest? Like, yes, the Raptors are down a couple of guys. It's not like the Raptors haven't been down a couple of guys in the season. It's not like the Raptors haven't beaten the Sixers shorthanded this season. And yeah. it's, and like I said, it's not like we haven't seen them respond. So yeah, it's but not then, it's I mean, not an ideal scenario. But yeah, you know. But this is why it's a Nicky Nurse game because he's got to really decide who's in the starting lineup. 
that's the next big question, right? Um, if Gary's unavailable and the way it's looking right now, Gary's unavailable. You know, and by the way, Gary did not play well in game one. Um, obviously, we found out after the fact that he was sick. So I'm like, okay, I give him, I, I, I cut him some slack there, obviously, and I give him a lot of credit for playing through that because he kind of looked out of it. Turns out he was just out of it, right? Um, but, you know, like, okay, if he's not going to play, I actually think that that might help the Raptors get out to a better start defensively because um, what you're going to be able to do is put more size on the floor. You have a more natural matchup. I, I think, like, I thought OG did okay against Embiid, but Embiid also bullied him for, like, offensive rebounds, like, right away. I think he got, like, three in the first, you know, um, quarter, and it really changed the impact of the game. It was very clear right away that Embiid was hurting the Raptors physically, and as big as OG is, he's not going to be able to bang with Embiid like that. So you, you bring in some of your true centers who are more used to it, whether that's Precious starting, stepping into the starting lineup. Even Ken starting into the starting lineup, I think, will be... In this situation, if you're missing a couple of guys, yeah, I do trust Kem to come in and do a job. Let's assume the three guys, uh, Scotty obviously out, I think Thad um, and and Gary are both doubtful right now. If those three guys are all missing, uh, who's your starting lineup tonight? Yeah, so I think I want to see... So you're missing two guys in the starting group. I think I want to see Chris Boucher in the starting group. I want to see Precious in the starting group. Now, if they go with Kem, I'm fine with that. You know, it, it, it is what it is. To be honest, I think... The way Nick looks at it is like there's probably going to be like one or two bad calls at the start of the game. Let Cam eat those. Let <laughs> let Cam like, you know, tire out and beat. Because at the start of the game, obviously, he's going to be most energetic. He's going to be the whole game, right? Let him like, he's your strongest guy. At least let him like bump him. You know, I, I don't think it's a great matchup ultimately, but, you know, you at least soak up that first shift. Then Precious comes in with his speed and energy, and he's probably going to play the majority of the game, but... Um, what I don't want to see, by the way, is starting with Kem and Precious because we saw Nick try that twice in the uh, in the two regular season games, and I think that lineup was like minus 20, 25 or something like that. Well, the they Raptors, were responsible for that 17-2 start They were the Sixers, right? Yeah, they were routinely getting off to bad starts because there's just not enough spacing on the floor when those two guys are out there. So at least you need Chris out there. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably what I expect if if you're saying that Gary and Scotty aren't available. And then Thad being unavailable off the bench really does suck because you do need to bring some size off the bench. Whichever one of Cam or Precious doesn't start, they'll come off the bench. They'll be the primary guy. I think probably tonight you probably see a seven-man rotation. Who that seventh man is going to be very interesting to me. We've seen Nick trust Armani Brooks in that scenario, but do you trust him in a playoff series, right? Um, but I think what Nick described the practice yesterday was like you're probably going to see him giving five minutes to Utah. You just probably see him, and, and if Utah does well, he might get the, the same five minutes in the second half. You might see him giving five minutes to Malachi, and if he does well, he might get another five minutes in the second half. You might, and it's the same thing with Armani. Like it's hard to predict like which guys can specifically get that. But ultimately, if they don't really do well on their shift, then he'll probably try someone else. You know, I guess Delano's in the mix too. But um, to me, yeah, I think out of that group. I would try Utah first. Um, it's not just because he's Asian. Although people are gonna... <laughs> I love how you have to clarify. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's really upsetting. I, 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 I would play Utah. It's because he's Asian. Yeah. No, no. Not, not, not for me, man. It's because I'm a Raptor fan, and I want the size and the shooting and the, three, and the defense. Oh, else. Right. I want that's the right. defense, right? Me too, me too. Um, because what I'm worried about, if you put Armani or, or Malachi, because I saw some people saying, well, you put Malachi in there, you match Maxi's speed. First off, it's not, a, it's not a match. Second if, you, of all, if you're going to match Maxi's speed, wouldn't you bring in Delano? Yes. And second of all, if you bring in, at least to me, if you're bringing Malachi Flynn, w- what the Sixers have done 
when the Raptors have played Malachi against this team is James Harden says, oh, that guy, let me get him on a screen and we're going to isolate and attack a one-on-one nonstop. And the Raptors try to avoid those switches. Then you get open pick and pop threes and all that kind of stuff. So they hunt them right away. They'll probably do the same thing with Brooks as well. So to me, I would rather have a little bit more defense out there. I'm not expecting that much offense from that position anyway, from your eighth man, let's be real, or your seventh man. But uh, yeah, I expect a tighter rotation. And as you mentioned, like you're going to need your main guys to step up and be your main guys. And of course, that also begs the question of what happens when one of the guys fouls out? Because let's be real, in this series, someone's probably going to foul out. And then at that point, I'm like, I don't know. Well, that's... I if, think, if a guy fouls out in this game, I think the Raptors are guaranteed to lose. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's the yeah. biggest concern coming in uh, to tonight's game, especially with them shorthanded, is you would expect that I think Nick is going to have one of those games where the starters are playing like at least 43 minutes mm. tonight. And the only way that's going to stop them from doing that, like you mentioned, is if they get into the early foul trouble and, yep. or if they foul out. Yep. So, and the other thing too, like I just, everything was just so easy for the Sixers in game one. You know, there was yeah, no yeah. resistance. I agree. Yeah. Like they, the Raptors did not make them feel uncomfortable at all. You know, the fans were cheering for Tyrese Maxey to get to 40 points. Yeah, they the were really the stat chasing in a playoff game, which is like, again, I don't, I don't think it's a bad sportsmanship thing. I just means it really means you're getting beat down because like, you know, that's not the priority. Listen, like you mentioned, we've seen, we've yeah. seen LeBron drink beer. We've seen him practice fadeaways. Like, uh, Cheering for yeah, Tyrese Maxey. This doesn't even make top five. That's not even top not five. Even top for me. ten, probably, man. But yeah, <laughs> why was there a whole top ten of game one losses? <laughs> didn't sports didn't sports that put out a top ten LeBron thing earlier this year? Like top ten LeBron moments. It wasn't us against we're not, Toronto. We're not affiliated. Oh man, all right, beat those allegations. We, we do the show. That's it. But the other thing, like we talk about the main guys. Yep. You know, I think if I hear you on the React Pod mm. tonight, Mister React Pod. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pod. <laughs> Mr. Pod. If uh, I hear you tonight give the three stars to Fred Pascal Harry and OG, I, I think the Raptors have a good chance. Yeah. Uh, I, they I, probably would have won. Really hope so. So if, if you're handing the third star to, like, you know, Utah Watanabe for a nice 11-minute oh. stretch in the fourth quarter. I think I say 11 points. I got so excited. <laughs> and it's like. What a bit of season, huh? Man. That's a, that's, that would be a participation trophy but like pascal 24 7 and 3 in game one og had 20 points mm. uh seven rebounds but i just didn't feel like they like you know put their imprint on the game you know mm. i didn't feel like any of those guys really like had that impact that you want so yeah. i don't know i guess my other question for you is like what, what are they going to change in terms of guarding tyrese max okay, because listen, that was a huge problem listen not not to tell you yeah, 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 yeah. the show what's up we have a former nba point guard coming on mm-hmm. at two o'clock and then we have a former nba uh, video assistant coming on. Yeah, so, so we're going to answer that Maxi question, I promise you. Yeah, Alvin Williams we have two and uh, Mo Dekeel. We, we have two minutes left before the break. Three minutes, really. What's up? It, it, I'm asking this because I saw a lot of conversations about this. Do you mm-hmm. think Embiid was a little dirty? No, I don't think so. I think Was he reckless? Uh, reckless still too strong for me. Here's no, the no, thing. no, no. Reckless is not too strong for me. Okay. Reckless was very, very accurate. H- here's the thing. Happening. If you've watched Joel Embiid play basketball, yeah. he does this a lot. Like, yeah. like he, he's, he, he's huge and he's, he plays really he's hard. He's huge and he's willing to just swing his limbs is, yeah. is what I would say. Yeah, so if, if people want to say Wait, reckless, isn't that reckless, sure. If people want to say reckless, fine. But like, okay. I grew up, like I watched, I mean, God, I hate dating myself, but like growing up, hmm. like I watched the George Shacks. Mikan. <laughs> You watched uh, no, like I will still <laughs> You watch Winning Time in uh, real life. <laughs> How do you know more seventy centers than NHL superstars? What's going on? That's a quiz we got to do. This guy's like, man, <laughs> Artis Gilmore would do this every time. Artis Gilmore, Artis Gilmore versus Doug Gilmore. Um, so no, like 
I watched Shaq like growing up, right? Like that was my favorite player. And that was during the time when they were just, you know, the, the league was dominated by centers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what Shaq used to do. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. is what Shaq used to do. He yeah. would throw elbows in the paint. He would dunk on you and shove you, step over you and all this stuff. At the end of the day, as much as people want to blame Joel Embiid, I'm with Nick Nurse. Like it's no, fight on, back, man. It's a fight back, but also it's on the officiating. Yeah. If he is swinging five elbows and you're only calling one, you know what? I don't actually have a problem with Joel Embiid. Yeah. I yeah, have no, a problem with the refereeing. Because if you're going to call it fair and sound, then the Raptors are going to be able to embrace their identity and play defense. But he also does kind of like flop a little bit. Of course. Which is, I think that's the, more, that's the only thing that's annoying. Because look, if you're going to be physically dominant and you're going to throw bows around or whatever, that's fine with me. Like, yeah. it genuinely is fine with me. Right? I call them Literally, bows. Literally, yeah. that's the bows. same with me. Like, for example, like, I'm a big dude. I play, for example. Oh, we've seen back, the back, clips. Back in high school, oh, I was on the Ultimate Frisbee team. Dark days. captain yeah. of the team, right? By yeah. the way, we had a really good run. Emo days. And, you know, Ultimate Frisbee at that time in high school was played co-ed. It probably still is, I think. Yeah. And one time I was just, like, running for a disc and, like, bumped into, a, like, a girl who was, like, half my size. And, like, they had to, like, call the ambulance. <laughs> like, she's fine. Like, she, I think she just had, like, a concussion or something. Yes. But, like, the ambulance drove onto the field and we had to stop the game. Yeah. And I'm like, this is horrible. But also, at the same time, I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, it was just playing hard. That's part of playing sports. Like, these things happen, right? Yeah. So, that's why I'm like, I don't think NBA did anything wrong or, like, it was anything purposeful about it. But it, at the same time, you do have to, again, fight back against that. You, you do. Know? You have to you, you have to continue playing the way that you're playing and probably ratchet up, you know, the, the physicality a little bit. But, listen, it, it really is. This is why is... I asked Bobby, can you call Marcus All? I wasn't joking. <laughs> Hold him. It's, it's serious, man. Get him it's, a visa. It's on the officiating. It really is. I hate to sound like Will Lou, but it is, it is on the officiating. All right. So we got Alvin Williams when we come back, and then Mo Dekeel will join us. So we got both of them in the second hour. We'll continue talking about game one and look ahead to tonight's game in Philadelphia, 7.30 p.m. There you go. Uh, I'm your host, Will Lou. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sports F. I'm Nanny the Fan. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou. A reminder: We're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday between 1 and 3 p.m. Joined in the second hour by producer and co-host Alex Wong, and we are joined on the line by Sportsnet's very own Alvin Williams. Alvin, how you doing? Good. How are you? How are you? You know, I'm doing surprisingly well, even after that game one. Um, I think I'm no more to like overreact to things, but you know, I think watching back on the film. <laughs> I don't know if it was the same impression for you, but is it as bad as some fans are right now? Because I think a lot of fans are panicking, and I think they want to hear some uh, words of wisdom from, you know, obviously a former uh, Raptors legend. Oh, man, I wish I had some words of wisdom. I'm, I'm all, it's all about a whim with me. I, you know, with the playoffs, man, you just, it's a whole different beast. 
and people tend to overreact after one game, sometimes after one possession or one half. But, mm. you know, a lot of times that, you, you, you know, you come back, and the one thing you can say about the playoffs is every game is different. Every game takes a life of its own. There are different storylines. There are different people that step up. There are different strategies. There's adjustments. So it's never the same game. And it's always, it's always not a different outcome, but there's a different outlook going into the game from a player's and coach's standpoint. Right. Well, you know, it was funny listening to um, Nick talking about the game, you know, post-game after game one, and he kind of mentioned something that, that, that perked my ears was that he said the Raptors might not necessarily have met the physicality of the playoffs. So for people who are listening on, you know, 99.9% of the world who have not played the NBA before, have not played a uh, playoff game before, can you explain to us, like, what is Nick talking about there in terms of meeting the physicality of the playoffs? Well, physicality definitely steps up, you know, because first and foremost, the defense stepped up. Mm. And when you have, you know, coaches and the opposing team knowing what you want to run, knowing as an individual what type of moves and what's your go-to moves, they like to beat you to the spot. And when, when a player, when a team defensively is trying to take advantage of that, they'll be more physical. They'll beat you to the spot. They'll be more physical through screens. They'll blow up screens. And you hear people say blow up plays. And you see that's pretty much guys running through screens and not allowing the offense to be comfortable. And offensively, what you have to do, you have to be patient, but you also have to meet force with force. You have to set a harder screen. You have to set a tougher screen. You have to fight through the screen. You can't be pushed off of the screen. You can't be pushed off of your move. So a lot of times, offensively, you have to. What do you have to do? You have to move the ball a little bit more. You have to. You have to go about another way of scoring the basketball, not just you know sometimes individually or your first option. You may have to get to your second, or third, or fourth option at times. That way, you have to be more crisp. You have to be more concise with all of your movement. So. That comes with the physicality, and that's I'm sure that's what Coach Nurse is talking about. And that's something you have to learn, and that's something you really have to adjust to at mom- in some, some moments of the playoffs. Elvin, you talk about the physicality, and, you know, we were talking in the first hour to, you know, Nick Nurse had some comments about the officiating, and, you know, we saw the game, you know, Fred picking up his first foul in the first possession eight seconds in. You know, when, you, when you're a player, player in that playoff environment and you talk about each playoff game being different, like, how do you balance that in terms of, you know, obviously playing a physical style, making the other team uncomfortable, but also being mindful of how the officiating and how the game is being called from game to game? It's tough, man. And, and that's, the, that's the disappointing part because when you look at a key player like a Fred Van Bleet, right? What is he? He's probably the best, one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA, like as far as guarding his position. He, he has quick hands. He gets steals. He does all those things. And you look at, he, he sparks the rest of the Raptors' defense. So you look at the Raptors' defense, they're very active. They're physical. They, they get deflections. They go for steals. You know, they beat you up a bit. But when the referee is calling those calls early on in the game, now Fred, he can't be as aggressive. Mm-hmm. He can't cause those turnovers. And you look at the 76ers, they had zero turnovers in the first half. And that's the huge part of the Raptors' defense. So when their calls are being so tight at the beginning and your best players are getting early fouls, you look at a Chris Boucher who helps the team defensively and offensively rebounding. He gets into foul trouble. So now that's two aspects of the Raptors that they're missing, their defense and their second-chance points where they hurt the Sixers all year. 
So now you have to make those adjustments, and sometimes it make you it make you a little softer. It makes you it makes you a little hesitant as a defender and as a defensive player. First and foremost, I can't get my second foul early on or my third foul in the first half. And now defensively, we don't have the same identity. So it really sucks the fact that the whistle was loose early on, and now you have to make adjustments as a whole team in your philosophy. Yeah, and you know, I think the Raptors you would expect them to come out with a much better defensive effort because that was, quite frankly, unacceptable. Like, I think their general strategy of forcing Harden and and B to not play with the ball and sending two to the the ball, I think that's fine. But in terms of their execution, clearly it wasn't good enough when you look at the fact that they had 131 points on only 84 shots. Like, that's almost absurd. Um, So for the team right now, after game one, just your sense of being around this team and, 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 you know, speaking to so many of the players, like, what do you think the mood is in that locker room after that first game or even the practice the day after? Do you think they're shaking about this? Do you think they're, they're, they're sort of mature enough to handle this? Like, what's your impression on how the team's feeling? Definitely mature enough. I mean, you, you take the shape of your leader, that's Fred Van Vliet, and you never see him rattled, right? You never see him let his emotions overtake him. You know, he may get a little technical foul here or there, but he's always the calm, calming force. So I believe that's that's the that's the Raptors makeup, and they've been in these positions before. You know, the Raptors had the reputation of losing game ones, right? So it's not a big thing, and and I think the temperament and the attitude of the team, you're ready to get back at it because you know you didn't give your best performance. You know you're a better team, and you just can't wait. And that's the best thing about the playoffs: you get a time to breathe, but then you get a time to get right back at it, and it's going to be very intense. So it's one of those things where you don't get too high in the playoffs and you definitely don't get too low in the playoffs because once again, every game is different and you can't, if you go into today's game thinking about the last game, you're going to already be in the back. You're going to, you're going to be already in the back of the race. So you got to just continue to be positive, trust, trust your game plan and just do everything that you're supposed to do better than the other team, harder with more intention, more purpose and just more physical. And that's the biggest thing. Strategies and all that stuff. That's cool. Adjustments, that's cool. But if you don't meet the physicality and you don't come with force, then you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to lose the basketball game pretty much. Speaking of the defense, you know, we, we talked so much last week when we were previewing the series about the, how the Raptors were going to defend Joel Embiid and James Harden. And, you know, I thought they did an adequate job given the circumstances in game one. But clearly, Tyrese Maxey, you know, went off for, for 38 points and, and the Raptors just didn't have an answer for him. Uh, when you're looking ahead to game two, uh, what do you think uh, are things that, that the Raptors are going to throw at him to, to kind of make him uncomfortable a little bit? Are you talking about uh, Tyrese Maxey? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's tough, right? When you when you have somebody like Joel Embiid and then you have another guy like a James Harden, somebody's going to be free. And don't forget about Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris had a big game. And he's been consistent, inconsistent all year for the Sixers. But he's a, he's a very good player. And he's a fourth, a third or fourth option of that team. So it's it's hard to say this is what we're going to get do against Tyrese Maxey when you have an MVP that you really have to concentrate on. And that's why people looked at the 76ers as a championship-caliber team because of those pieces. So, you know, the Sixers are being who they, they, they played the way, you know, the Philadelphia fans and the NBA thought they could play. Now it's just up to the Raptors. You know, making sure their defensive presence is is is, is impacted is is impactful. So I, I don't know how much you can do with a Tyrese Maxey, 
who's feeding off of the other guys. He's not coming down and having the ball in his hand initially and then just generating offense. He's getting it off of kickouts. He's getting it off of, you know, concentration on the other players and then transition, and then he starts to roll, and now it's a little too late because he's a very good player too. So I think you stick to the script and, and go with your philosophies of making sure Joel Embiid and, and James Harden don't kill you, but you make sure you, you play those other guys honest as well. Right. And, you know, I think that's the that's one of the bigger things when you look at how the Raptors play versus how Philadelphia plays, like because they have those two guys um, in Harden and in Embiid, like it does make the situation for the team much easier. Like I was, you know, even looking at um, Alvin, your your playoff debut, you know, Raptors against the Knicks. Uh, unfortunately, the Raptors lost game one there. No surprise, I guess. You know, that's just like the history of the team going that's, back that's two decades. That's how it started. You know? It started with Alvin. Exactly. It's the, we're blaming Alvin no, for this game. I'm one not curse. blaming Alvin because Alvin had 19 and eight assists, and I'm sure the game plan for the Knicks was we're going to throw everything we can at Vince. Vince had 13 points, five of 22 shooting. Like there is an adjustment to be made there. It just it kind of honestly similar to this game where Embiid had a poor shooting performance, Harden had a poor shooting performance, but you know you have other guys on the team who can step up and beat you. And I think that that's something that for the Raptors side, like they don't have that gravitational guy who's going to pull extra defenders to them all the time. Pascal's the closest one to it. And I think he did do a good job of that, but not to the same degree as, as Embiid and Harden. And so it, it's a little bit harder for the Raptors supporting cast to sort of step up on that front. But, you know, when you think about it though, it was also a little bit disappointing to see certain guys not step up for the Raptors in that, in that third role, because the Raptors have guys not like a Tyrese Maxey, probably a little bit lower level, but Gary Trent Jr. can also go off for a big score, and I understand he was sick, but, you know, I thought OG probably could have given you a little bit more scoring based on the fact that they were helping off of him. Uh, Alvin, when you were looking at, like, the, the, the supporting cast for the Raptors yesterday, uh, outside of, you know, Pascal and Fred, did those guys get enough shots? Or did they play well enough around the, the, the Raptors' star two player? I was, it was, you know, it was a bad game, and I think we, we try to figure things out. And sometimes it's as simple as the guys didn't play as well as they, you would like them to play. Starting on the defensive end, I thought Pascal could have been more aggressive. They're going to need him to be more aggressive because, you know, typically what you find now, and especially as the playoffs go forward, there is that guy. Mm. There's that guy that is going to attract the double teams. He's going to have to make plays for others. He's not going to necessarily be efficient from the field and but he's the guy that you can put the ball in his hands and he can go get you a, a good opportunity to score or someone else and I think Pascal I matter of fact I know Pascal is that person and I think he's going to have to be more more aggressive but I also believe that he's going to have to be put in situations to be more aggressive because he's not going to just come down and be able to isolate and and do things like that so he's going to have to make an adjustment individual personally and a coach is going to have to help him as well and I also like to think that other players will have to be used more deliberate, mm-hmm. deliberately because somebody like an OG who has matchups, who has different advantages, and I think you have to seek those out because, once again, you're going to have to have the ball in your best player's hand for the most part of the game. And if you look at the Raptors when they had their most success, they went with the lineup with their best players. They shortened up the lineup, and they took off. Now in the playoffs, you're going to have to have the ball in your best player's hands and make them and have them go to work. And then everybody else can feed off of that. You guys mentioned the Toronto Raptors back when I was playing. Vince Carter was the guy with the basketball in his hands. Everybody was trying to stop Vince Carter. And now that that made my job much easier. That made Antonio Davis' job easier. That made Mo Pete's job much easier. But once we had we had that player, 
that could do that. And I believe Pascal Siakam is going to have to be that player and have the ball in his hand for the most part of the game to have others free up a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that you saw some good moments of synergy between Pascal and Scotty at the start of the game. Scotty got off to a really nice start. Obviously, you know, he got injured, yep, yep. which is unfortunate. But you saw in the third quarter as well, I think um, Pascal set up Fred for three threes, and that's when Fred started to get going a little bit. Unfortunately, it was at the same time where Tyrese Maxey was like single-handedly outscoring the team at points. He was really going off, so didn't really eat into the lead. But that's probably where the best offense came from was when the ball was in Pascal's hand, possession after possession. And I think he'll get used to that. I think we've seen that over the course of the season. Um, about the starting lineup tonight and just how Nick might manage it. So uh, we've already talked about this earlier in the show, but Gary, he's doubtful right now. Um, he uh, wasn't himself in game one. He's been dealing with uh, a non-COVID illness. Uh, Scotty has already been ruled out. It's, he's got the he's got the ankle and a walking boot. Obviously, we saw that that was a very unfortunate injury that happened with him. Uh, and then Thad Young also um, hyperextended his thumb on his left hand, his shooting hand. Uh, so that's going to impact him. But, you know, maybe there's a chance he plays. If those three guys are out, Alvin, like, first off, who's in the starting five for you? Because you got to replace two starters. And you probably at least have to dip into the bench for one more guy, right? Because maybe if the Raptors can go with the seven-man rotation, they'd be pretty happy with it. But as of right now, they kind of have six guys that they could comfortably feel uh, confident in. But who is that seventh guy for you? So who's going to the starting five? Who's the seventh guy? Man, it, it. I don't get paid enough to, uh, to come over these decisions. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't – you know what, man? It's, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I honestly don't know because you're looking at, from a defensive perspective, uh, Gary Trent Jr. brings that, that ability to defense and the shooting ability. But I'm just not sure if you if you just go with a, a totally big lineup. The thing that's tricky is, Scotty – Scotty's not in there because mm. Scotty does. So I mean, you can put Scotty at the point. You can play him at the center. So yeah, like, it's just like, who do you put in there? Is that ball handling? You got, you got Fred there, of course, but I'm not answering your question. I'm dancing around, but the music is running out. So <laughs> my dance moves is, uh, is gone, but I, I don't, I really don't know. I, I, I guess yeah. you, if you can go with, you can go with precious and, and hopefully defend defensively. He can, he can handle it, but you have, you have, uh, you have Fred, you have Pascal, you have OG, and you have you have uh, you have you have Precious, and Kim was there. So I mean, you could go that way, but you're going to really have to be creative if if there's no if there's no Gary Trent Jr. or or Thaddeus Young, and then you have Chris Boucher. I love Chris Boucher coming off the bench and the energy he provides. So I wouldn't want to take him out of that role. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough. Like uh, obviously. Goes without saying, if you lose three rotation guys in game one, you're, you're, you're going to have a hard time replacing them. You know, there's my suggestion was Nick's probably going to have to shuffle through and give guys like five minutes, like give Armani Brooks five minutes, see if he can knock down a shot. You know, he provides a little bit more length defensively as compared to Malachi, who, you know, could probably max match Maxi for speed, but then Harden's probably going to ISO against him, and there's a huge mismatch there. And, uh, I, I mean, I guess you can go to Utah as well, but, you know, a lot of times he comes in and he, even though he plays hard, it doesn't seem to impact the game all that much. So guys are going to have to step up collectively, but really it's going to be the main three, right? Like when you really break it down, you're going to need Fred, Pascal, and OG to really step up and be like a big three for you tonight in order to take this win. And uh, that's going to be a little tricky, man. But, you know. Sure, for sure. And, and those guys can step up. I think the one thing we talk about defensively, to me, 
James Harden obviously is not the Houston Rockets James Harden. Yeah. And I feel like the Raptors helped a little bit too much off of off of other players for James Harden. I don't see James Harden blowing by guys. I don't see him finishing over guys. He's looking for fouls. The things that he was very effective when he played for Houston, getting to the line and finishing. You know the Raptors are keeping him on his right hand, staying on his left hand, keeping him going right. And I, I'm playing him, and I'm making him be that 40-point scorer. Can James Harden mm. still be that 40-point scorer and 15 assists, getting to the lines 20 times? I want him to be that person again if I'm the Sixers. I mean, Raptors. I don't necessarily want but I want to see if he can. And I won't free up a Tyrese Maxey, and I won't free up these guys in the perimeter hitting shots and threes because that's what James Harden is now. He's, he's prying, he's playing around, he's dribbling, and then he's finding guys. Yep. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm staying in front of him. I think the Sixers, the Raptors do a very good job of staying in front of him and making him finish over top. And he struggles with that right now at this stage of his career or this season. So I would I would not pay so much attention to doubling or showing so much help on James Harden. Mm. I would keep him one-on-one and let him and see what he can do and make sure the Tyrese Maxey's, they have bodies connected to him, the Danny Greens and, and Yang and these guys and, and Tobias Harris and, and then see where we go from there. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a challenge, um, Alex. Yeah, what's know, up? What you got a prediction? What's going on? What you doing what's over there, Alex? What, what you doing, I'm, my man? I'm taking in all the wisdom uh, from the two of you. Actually, the the one more thing I wanted to ask you, Alvin, too, is uh, we were talking about this earlier, and I think some fans had a reaction to this because of the physicality in Game One, and we saw, you know, an elbow to Scotty's face before he got hurt. You know, Kem had to go in con- concussion protocols, and and you know, Nick was talking after the game about how you know Joel and B threw five elbows and was called for one. You know, when you look at the way Joel Embiid plays, like, like, do you feel like there's a little recklessness there, or, or do you think fans are just kind of overreacting to that from game one? Yeah, it's an overreaction. You know, if Joel Embiid didn't play like that, then we would be calling him soft. He would say he's not Embiid. Like, he has to, he has to play like that, mm. especially when you have smaller people just around you. It's kind of like you're at a park or something, and there's a bunch of gnats around you. You just never can get comfortable. You're going to start swatting at, swatting at the nets, no matter how patient you try to be. But that's what Joel Embiid is. And, I, and you know what? I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing a big man being physical. And I also enjoy I, I enjoy the gamesmanship. I enjoy Nick Nurse right there. All, all he's doing is bringing awareness so he can start getting some of those calls. That's, that's the chess part of the playoffs and, you know, putting it out there. So Joel Embiid is doing exactly what he needs to do as far as how he's going to help his team. And the Raptors are doing what they need to do is just continue to be around them, make sure they feel his body, make sure they give him different looks. And then you deal with what you deal with. If it's an elbow, don't be afraid to shoot another elbow back. I mean, it's one of those things. These are the playoffs, and this is basketball, and this is competition. So you have to figure out how you can be effective as well. Yeah, no, that's what I liked seeing from Scotty too, was even though he got called for the flagrant. Remember early in that third quarter where, you know, he was chasing Maxi around, and he kind of kind of like, you know, made sure to deliver a little bit of a shot to Tyrese. Um, yeah, you know, it was like that's no. Listen, this is this is this is playoff basketball. This is like I don't know. This is not for kids. Like I don't know what else to say. Like you you play you, and beat plays hard. I respect that about him. I do. I think the the yeah. you know sometimes you'll exa- the the thing that's hard for a lot of fans to accept is like so he'll 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 deliver the hits, but then if you if you bump into him at any point, he'll fall over. He'll 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 decry you know and try to get the the call from the refs. I get that that's also gamesmanship you know 
But yep. at the same yep. time, for a lot of people, it's like, okay, how could a guy that big be falling like this? But ultimately, this is the game. This is the challenge you signed up for, and I think that uh, we shouldn't be too worried about it, Alvin. So appreciate you. Thanks for joining us on the show, you know. And, um, you know, don't count the Raptors out, man. It's not like they haven't won shorthanded this season. I'm not counting them out at all because once, once again, you, you know that the Raptors are coming back. You know they're going to be prepared. And, and that's the biggest thing, being prepared. I remember one playoff experience, my first one actually playing, as you guys mentioned, game one. Mm. I just remember Jeff Van Gundy, I, I would call a play, and he would call a play. He would tell the Knicks where to be before we got into our set. Damn. And then that, that was the craziest thing when you're dealing about preparation, and, and it makes you fearful of trying to run a play because they knew it already. So I know the Raptors are going to be in that position. They're going to be prepared. And I know they have the leadership and they have the players that's going to go out there and go and play their butts off. So when you have that element, you, you always going to have a chance. Appreciate you, Evan. Thanks for the insight. And um, man, I wish we, I, I wish we could have had you out there tonight, you know, because we, you know, we, no, we you do, don't. we do need some help <laughs> off the bench. Come on, man. Then, then we wouldn't, if I was out there, we would not have a chance. Okay. All right. Alvin. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Take care. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Oh man, Alvin Williams, Sportsnet, Raptors legend. We even mentioned that that next series, you know, him hitting the jumper. Yeah, twenty what feet else? out. Yeah, what else do you remember from that? These are all things that I had to research because I was I was just coming to Canada. But ultimately, do you remember when they were down two one and Vince had three terrible games and he started Game Four driving down the lane with a one handed dunk over Latrell Sprewell? That was when the the series turned around. Yeah. I saw that. You know, <laughs> you know, hold on, hold on. You know, there's so many great games. You know, I'll, I'll let you pick one. You know, like can't, can't disrespect you know, the, the Godfather series like that. By the way, is that you your LeBron do. voice? Yeah, yeah. You're 19, baby. Oh man, Alvin couldn't even pick a starting lineup, man. I mean, listen, <laughs> We're it's tough. I, listen, I, I would love to be in those coaches' meetings right now. Nick Nurse mm. sitting down with the assistant, Nate Bjorgren. Yeah, and his six players. And No, and Nick <laughs> might have more assistants right now than players. Oh, not even close. Yeah. No, not even close. It's yeah. a one-to-one. So. No, they're, we're, 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 they're, it's, you know how they talk about classroom sizes of like how many <laughs> how many kids versus how many teachers? It's a one-to-one uh, I will for, uh, for assistance to players tonight, man. Yeah, I will say I know Alvin mentioned too that, hey, want to keep Chris Boucher, you know, because on the bench because he's been so good yeah. coming off the bench. I don't think you, you can think that way tonight. Nah, you know, I'm I, with I need you. him on the floor, yeah. No, I'm with you. Floor. I'm with you. I think. He's probably going to have to play 35 minutes. I'm with you. I think start Precious and Chris. Yeah, with the uh, with the Raptors big three, I think you just you can't let this game get away um, in, well, in the first quarter. Well, I also think about stylistically what kind of game do you want to play, right? Because Nick was talking about before the series, oh, this is going to be a slugfest. It wasn't a lot of slugging. I mean, there was a lot of slugging, but it was a one way kind of slugging. Okay, and beat slugged a lot of the Raptors guys, which again is 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 fine. My only issue is if you're going to let him play with physicality, Raptors have to be able to respond with physicality. That's all. And if the physicality is Embiid elbows Kem on a rebound and he gets knocked off, he, he gets knocked over, and he's on the floor and he has to go get checked for a concussion, that's fine with me because like that's a rebound. You, you you fight in there, big guys are in there, especially Embiid might be the biggest player in the playoffs. But if at the same time Fred is just pressuring up on Maxi and he and and he you know you're calling a foul on that, then all of a sudden I'm like, all right, bro, what are we doing here? We can't be playing a game if that's the scenario. However. If you're thinking about stylistically of the game, I think the Raptors probably will do better in a slow-paced game, like a 92-90 to 90 kind of game, 
you know, Kawhi hitting a shot at the end with the four <laughs> bounces. On, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to generate some uh, enthusiasm. No, it, it's going to, it's going to, they're going to have to muck it up tonight. It's, it, you know, if they're going to come out victorious, it's, it's going to be an unwatchable game. So, so what we need is an unwatchable I would game. love a hard fought, low scoring game. Cause by the way, you talk about the Raptors having a, such a bad record in game ones. They have a pretty good record in game twos. And almost always, universally, thinking back to the Kyle and Demar Raptors, they would lose game one, be a huge bit of disappointment. They'll be like two days off, and then they'll play, and then they'll win like a really gritty game two. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I will take that right now, a gritty game two. But uh, we're also going to take a quick break right here. You see that? Uh, I'm your host, Wolu. You're not impressed. That's fine. I'm your host, Wolu. That's Alex Wan. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Welcome back to the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590. The fan, I'm your host, Wolu. We are joined in this final segment by Mo Dekeel, one of the smartest people on basketball Twitter. Definitely find lots and lots of video analysis, lots of discussion over the Spain pick and roll. He's also the founder of the Jump Ball at thejumpball.net. You can also find his work at Bleacher Report and The Athletic. Mo, it's been a while, man. How you doing? It's been a long while, but you know what, Will? I never had a host with such a soothing voice in the intro with the music and everything. Like, I feel very serene and zen right now. Yeah, we're trying to uh, calm Raptor fans down because uh, what they saw in game one was uh, very, I don't know, (laughs) like a lot of people were very (laughs) upset after that game. I think obviously the Raptors lost. They got blown out a little bit. Tyrese Maxey went crazy. And also, you know, they lost their beloved rookie uh, Scotty Barnes, and of course, you know, you can understand people being a little upset, but this is part of the reason, you know, I had to bring you on today, and, and obviously throughout the playoffs, by the way. Um, I don't know how this is the first time you've, you've been on the Raptors show. You were on the Raptors Over Everything podcast all the time. Um, but <laughs> one of the reasons to bring you on, because you look at the film objectively, you look at it impartially, and I think that, you know, I want to hear your thoughts on just like the series and basically how game one opens. So um, let's start with the defense. What went wrong for the Raptors on defense? There's a lot, so, I imagine. I mean, yes and no. Like, the game plan actually worked in the sense of, hey, you kept jo- uh, Joel Embiid to 5 of 15 shooting, right? You James Harden 6 of 17. The, the focus on the game plan was focusing on those two guys. The problem was you didn't focus on everybody else. Mm. And what happens is all the coverage was focused on them. So when... Harden was able to kick it over to Maxi on the weak side. He's able to attack and get downhill with nobody in front of him. Mm. Right. And I think that's the first thing. So he just has like open driving lanes and we've seen it with guys. Once a guy gets hot, that rim just gets bigger and bigger. And, and everything that happened from that point on really just sort of coalesced. And and it wasn't just Maxi. He gets all the big uh, praise and everything, but, Tobias Harris also killed you yeah. at 28 points. You know, when those two guys combine for 64 points, your odds are you're probably going to lose that game. And, you know, it's it's very difficult with that. So I think the defensive game plan worked. It just maybe wasn't the right game plan for this game. You need to have a little bit more attention on Maxi, 
on Harris, one the how you're going to rotate to those guys out of the Harden and Bead pick and rolls. You got to kind of start looking to to adjust now. Yeah, and I think when you're thinking about the adjustments, right? There's no way the Raptors could not put two guys on Joel Embiid. Like, it's just not possible, especially with their personnel. Part of the construct of this roster is they don't have the true center. To be honest, true centers probably need help against Joel Embiid as well. So it's not like you just automatically have a seven-footer and you're going to be okay against Joel. He's that good. He's a front-runner for MVP, or at least top three. You know, you're going to send two to Joel Embiid. But I guess the question for the series is, are you, is Nick Nurse and the coaching staff more comfortable taking less help off of James Harden and keeping guys more at home? And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Would you, if you were in that coaches meeting right now, and you've been probably in plenty of them in the past, like, what would your advice be to Nick Nurse after seeing the, the tape of game one with regards to how to handle James Harden versus how uh, you're going to leave other guys open? I mean, I mean, before we even get to it, just understand going into the game one coaches meeting after losing is one of the worst feelings because mm. you just know, like, man, okay. this meeting is going to be forever. <laughs> you know, you're going to sit in there and this is going to be a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, you, you and, and you're going to debate your base. And for me, because I always think with my stomach, I'm like, are we going to eat during the meeting oh, or okay. do I need to get a protein bar? Like, that's just my issues. And this is probably why I'm not in the league anymore is I'm always thinking for food. Um, but what you're thinking about in this game and, and how you want to adjust, I think I, I almost disagree with you a little bit. Will I may not even send a second guy to Embiid. Embiid's going to get really? his. I, Embiid's going to get his right. Like he, sh- he, he didn't play that well. Five of 15. He got to the line a ton, you know, got 11 free throws and foul trouble was a big problem for the Raptors in this game one, but he let him get his and shut everybody else down would almost be my philosophy. Right. And, and, from that, you can kind of build off of that. Make it so that Harden can't go off. Make it so Maxi isn't getting clear driving lanes. Don't give up easy open threes to Tobias Harris, to George Niang, to Danny Green. I think those are the things you want to kind of keep an eye out for. So it's almost like sometimes if you have a dude that's just so unstoppable, don't try to stop him. Stop everybody else. Because hmm. can Joel Embiid beat you just by himself? Like He might win you a game. I don't think he can win you a series. And I think that's going to be the interesting wrinkle that we're going to have to see in terms of how you guard Harden. I think they did a decent job on him. The, the, the bigger issue was they let the Sixers get out in transition over and over again. Like, I don't know the last time I saw any team with 29 fast break points in a game, especially in a playoff setting. Like I think Maxi, as good as he played, he had 11 points on the fast break. And I'm not saying you could take all those away because he's like a one man fast break. He shot out of the cannon He's very athletic. He has really nice reverse finishes and all this other stuff. But, like, come on. A team should have 11 fast break points in a playoff game, not a player. And what, so what do right. you think went wrong into that? Like, why do the Raptors struggle so much with their trans? Because they're usually a pretty good transition defense team. Yeah, I think it starts with their offense wasn't really good, right? It was really struggling offensively. The Sixers were able to take advantage of the misses, and their attitude was as soon as we catch it, we're going. Mm-hmm. Run the floor. Run, run, run on them. And, I mean, they just beat the Raptors in every facet of the game. So I think they got to focus. The, the important thing to keep a team out of transition, you got to score, right? Make it so that they got to take the ball out of the net and you got to get back defensively. Doesn't mean you're not going to give up a bucket off of a make or anything like that, but it gives you a better chance to get back defensively, get settled, and lock in. Mm. So the, the besides just the basic coverage and, and what they might change – 
the transition defense is going to be the second thing I'm looking for in this game tonight. Like how, how do they play? How will they make sure that they, they get enough buckets offensively? And are they getting back in transition? Are they going to send fewer guys to the offensive glass and make sure they have more floor balance? So even when they miss a shot that Sixers are at least going to see three guys defensively already back. Yeah. And that's going to be very interesting too, because for Nick, like that's what he's done all season is he sent, you know, three guys to the glass. Like he he will just routinely do this. Is one of the reasons why the Raptors were successful this year, not by necessarily playing great offense, but by playing more offense than the opponent. They always win the possession battle there, and they lost it the other night. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, first off, can we just start with why were the Sixers so effective on the defensive glass? Because I think for for people thinking about rebounding, like it, it's just sort of like, well, guys box out, guys are more physical they maybe keep more guys back and that's it. Right. But I think probably it's a little bit more complicated than that, or maybe it's not, I don't know. But um, why do you think the Sixers are so effective at limiting the Raptors offensive rebounding game? I mean, it's, it's a rarity too. They're not really a good rebounding team in general, besides Joel Embiid, it tends to fall apart. But I think what happened is they really kind of focused in as a team going like, we're just going to make sure we get every opportunity and it's nobody was leaking out. Mm-hmm for the Sixers, everybody was making sure they corralled and got the rebound first before running out. And I think those opportunities is really what kind of led to it. It's not so much like there's just a great X's and O's explanation to it. Will just a matter of just like they, they use their size and really just went after it. And a lot of the shots that they were getting, you know, or I mean, they were able to just kind of keep the, the Raptors out of the paint. Mm. And then from there go and granted, you know, the paint points are pretty close. They still force the Raptors to take 33s, which the Raptors do shoot a lot of threes. But if you're not making them, that opens up the opportunity for long rebounds. And from there, they can run out. Right, right. Um, to the point of the Raptors offensively, um, you know, their, their overall numbers were, were fine, I think. Like, I think if you told me the Raptors shot 49% from the field and they hit 40% from three, and to be honest, this team shooting 83% from the free throw line is very good. Having 27 assists is very good. Turnovers are fairly low, only eight. But, like, to me, does it not seem like the Raptors missed an opportunity there to emphasize some more of their strength? Which, like, if they have one advantage in this series, it probably is Pascal Siakam. Like, there's not a natural defender on the Sixers who should be able to guard him. He should probably draw double teams and stuff like that. And of course, he can play out of there. Like, what were your th- your takeaways from the Raptors in terms of how they approached offensively, especially with regards to Pascal's usage? Yeah, I think, you know, you got to kind of just ramp it up a little bit more with Pascal. I think what you want to do is you want to make it so that the Sixers decide to put Embiid on him because then that opens up the paint, Mm. right? Like now Embiid's not able to clog the lane. Offensive rebound. You can not only that, but it's easier to attack the paint where Siakam's going to be able to hit a cutter and it's not Joel Embiid coming to block a shot. It's Mm. Tyrese Maxey. Massive size difference, right? Like, it's just a a simple thing, right? Keep the big man out of the paint. So I think the important thing is making sure Siakam gets off and gets going. But the other thing, too, is you're not going to survive another night of Gary Trent Jr. going 2 of 11. Oh, he was was sick yesterday in the game, so I guess so. But I thought he was actively bad on both ends. Yeah, and he was sick, so he has he has a reason to yeah, be. Yeah. But also, maybe at a certain point, if he's sick, you don't play him twenty six minutes, right? Like you, you, Fred Van Vliet gets into foul trouble early. Like your your top shooters, the guys you're really kind of counting on to make shots and and really stretch the floor, weren't hitting early on, and I think that really caused the problem for the Raptors. And then you know, off the bench, it's not a ton of great guards. 
you know, coming off the bench to kind of relieve you in that. Uh, and now you have no great guards. couple Let's of questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was trying to be nice. Oh, okay, um, but, you know, you, you just don't have the guys you need off the bench and that to make up for it. So if mm. Trent's not hitting shots, if Van Vliet has a cold night, then it all falls on Siakam. And now it becomes easier to defend the team. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's that's where the issues and challenges come from for the Raptors. And now you add in the injuries with, you know, Barnes, with Thaddeus Young, and we don't know if Trent's feeling better or not. Like, it makes game two a lot more difficult. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, obviously, the Raptors' injuries really start to complicate that. Because I think the one guy who did have a really nice start was Scotty Barnes. And I think so much focus has been put into the injury, and, and rightfully so. It was gruesome, and you feel bad for him. He's, like, such a... I don't know. He's like a sweet puppy. He's really eager, <laughs> hugging everybody all the time. He's everybody's favorite Raptor player. And then to see him go down and him having to get hopped off the floor, it's genuinely traumatic to see for a lot of people. But before that injury, he had 15 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, was shooting well, cutting well. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from Scotty's playoff debut? I thought it was good. I thought it was a very rook- good rookie typical playoff experience right like you know starts out well obviously we know we know how it ends with the injuries Mm -hmm. but it was a good first quarter three or four from the field and then he only gets two more shots the rest of the game Mm. like you got to be more involved you got to be more active you got to get him more opportunities him having six shots with 31 minutes that's not enough is that on him or is that on you know the Raptors offense in general because I think that's been a conversation that's been had here as well as like I know Nick always says hey Scotty we want you to have 16 17 shots we want you to shoot the ball. We want you to be aggressive. But then all of a sudden, at the same time, I'm like, I don't also see a lot of, like, actions called for him to have the ball to do that as well. So It's it's my one gripe with Nick Nurse is I don't like – they don't really have a half-court offense, right? And so it's – it's if you want Scotty Barnes to get 16 shots, you, as a coach, need to put him in position to get 16 shots, right? And he does a great job. He almost had a triple-double, right? Mm-hmm. 10 rebounds and eight assists. Like he's going to dime it out. He's going to find guys and things like that. He's a very unselfish player, but you need to put him in positions where, Hey, we're going to get you the ball here and that's for you to shoot it. Right. And I think that's kind of the clear cut stuff you need to start having if you're Nick nurse. And I just don't think in general with his offense, it's not really his his half court offense is never really geared towards setting up any actions for particularly getting guys going. Like even the stuff with Siakam, it's give the ball to Siakam at the top, Mm -hmm. let him go. Right. It's, it's, there's no real actions. There's no cross screen and a pick the picker and see if we can get the attack here from there. It's, it's really just kind of almost roll it out. Nick nurse is a defensive genius. I think offensively there, there's still some stuff I want to see on that offensive end of the court from his coaching that I just think would really help the Raptors as a whole. Yeah, you're not enjoying the little dribble handoff, you know, pitch it back and forth. That do at the start. Only of so much. At the you start of do it so many times before you, you know, you can't. You do it every time. It's it's not really a uh, a surprise anymore. Listen, you can get like a switch, and you know, like, there's something that comes out of that. There's not, there's not nothing. You organize the team a little bit, but also sometimes I'm like, why is Pascal dribble pitching it to like OG, who's going to hand it back to Fred, who's going to hand it back to Pascal, thirty feet from the hoop? None of them are going to shoot the ball in that scenario. I'm like, yo, can we just oh, well, skip past my, this my a little bit? Is, you know. <laughs> My favorite is when we do all that, you burn time on the shot clock and you ended up in the same exact spot yeah. where you started. Yeah. And I'm always just like, couldn't just Pascal just had dribbled right to that spot and you still have 20 seconds <laughs> on the shot clock <laughs> instead of now you have 12. Yeah, you, like, you didn't do anything. So I think sometimes it's a little, it's a lot of fluff for nothing. 
Yeah, no, that, 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 I think that's a fair critique and everything like that. I, I look, I, I think um, in the starting lineup, and, and I think this probably speaks to like what style of game the Raptors should be trying to play here against Philadelphia. But uh, it was interesting because Nick said uh, in the week leading up to game one was like, this is going to be a slugfest. But of course, game one was nothing close to a slugfest. Like the two teams combined for 242 points. That's not a slugfest, uh, especially not in a playoff <laughs> setting. Like, I, I feel like, and... Do you? I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. I feel like it probably favors the Raptors, especially now that they're short a couple of bodies, that if they can manage to pull it into like a classic Eastern Conference type of playoff game, you know, like uh, thinking back to Chicago versus Milwaukee yesterday, maybe not that ugly, but like oh, if, God, they can, if, was... if they can grind it out a little bit, you know, I think that probably like they're not going to outscore the Sixers in some sort of like high scoring kind of offense. They just don't have the firepower to do that. But defensively, if you get it close, I think that's probably their best chance to win game two. What are your thoughts on that? Like the style of play the Raptors want to aim for, especially game two and beyond. They have to junk it up. They have to make this as ugly as possible, right? Mm. They got to be able to slow down the Sixers. You got to make them guess a little bit what they're doing offensively. I mean, the Sixers themselves, give them credit. Besides transition, this was the fastest I've seen them play in the half court. They were fast in the half court, moving and cutting and things like that. I was very impressed with that. It was not what I was expecting from right. them. And right. I picked the Raptors to win the series. So, you know, I I, I thought I, we would see a little bit more concerted effort. I'm not too worried yet. Mm-hmm. Always game ones are game ones. It's why it's a, a seven-game series, so you have time to start figuring these things out. But they got to slow the game down. They got to junk it up defensively. They got to mix in different coverages, keep the Sixers on their feet guessing yeah. as to what's coming. And I mean, easier said than done. And part of it's not is, is out of their hands, but they got to find a way to stay out of foul trouble. Can't get into early foul trouble with the Sixers. Right. And I think yeah. all they got to do is hang around. I agree. Close game down the stretch. I picked the Raptors. Why is that though? Because I don't trust the Sixers at the end of games. Right. I, I think that's really the thing at the end of get close games. I think James Harden tends to start to wave off Joel Embiid and then it's in his hands more. I haven't been impressed with his run with the Sixers so far this season. I think it's it's a good opportunity for you. If you keep it close, you can steal it. And that's all you got to do is try to just keep it close so that in the last two minutes, you give yourself a chance to win it. Yeah, I agree with you. Mo, appreciate you. We're going to have you on the show lots throughout the playoffs. You know, go follow Mo DeKeel. On Twitter at Mo underscore the Q, no, Mo the kill underscore NBA. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're you going to send them to somebody else. No, I'm sorry, bro. No, no. <laughs> Mo Dekeel underscore NBA. I love the people who are underscore NBAs. That's how you know you're a, a true hooper on, on, on Twitter is when you have the underscore NBA, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I just figured I did work in the NBA at some point, so I should just make sure that's there. Oh, there's plenty of people who haven't worked in the NBA, but have the underscore NBA. Uh, yes, yes, NBA I know. Account, so. <laughs> Uh, appreciate you, Mo. Thank you. It's Mo Kill, former video coordinator, I believe, with the Spurs. He was with the Clippers too, right? A and little the bit. Yeah, yeah. No, Mo's great. Yeah. Add him to the rotation. I, I'm surprised that I didn't suggest it earlier. That's that's on that's my bad for me. But uh, no, I think look what he said is. Very important because, look, I, I think for me, um, not only his experience as a video guy, not only the fact that he's been in a lot of these scenarios before, but to have an objective look at it, right? Because for us, like, we're always talking about this is the Raptor show, literally. Right? We're talking to tons of people in the Raptors organization. We'll talk to, like, um, 
you know, on the Sixers side, we got a little bit of it with, with talking to Danny last week and talking to Harrison and stuff like that. But, like, quite frankly, like, none of that is quite um, balanced. I think to to get that objective uh, view of it was good. And it's good to know that Mo picked the Raptors and that I think he still has confidence in the team. Yeah, I think he said a lot of things that I think we were going through as well, right? Like, the, the game's going to need to be ugly tonight. And I do like yep. the fact that he said, you know, if you get it to the fourth quarter and it's a close game, you know, that he would lean towards the Raptors. I feel the same way. I think the Sixers, people know them as there's a lot of front-runner mentality there, right? Like, it's all good when you're up 20 or when you're beating the Raptors and you're doing your airplane celebrations. And That's Paris the one Maxi. thing I mean, didn't pull out was the airplane, I think. <laughs> yeah. But... If he pulls out the airplane, I would feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah. But so far, not yet. No, listen. He just pulled out the airplane when he... Uh... <laughs> Elbowed people. Oh, man. But I, I listen, it's, it's all good. He played hard. He played hard. No, but he played hard. Listen, I know the Raptors are going to come back with a way better effort. They're going to fight. I guess at the end of the day, biggest concern is that they're shorthanded. But listen, just get this one game. Get this one game. You know, you go into Philly, you want to just get one, get the split, and it's going to be a long series. So I think if they can get this tonight, I feel good. I just threw out all kinds of playoff cliches. Um, wanted to ask you before we run, what is your favorite playoff cliche because there there are a lot of them you know i think every time the raptors lose one you know like to remind people it's the first to four and not the first to one um you know sometimes coaches like to say you know it's just about who wants it more yeah um are there other ones like do you do you have a favorite or i guess least favorite my least favorite one is the series doesn't start until a team loses (laughs) what the hell does that mean I've seen the Raptors lose series after game ones uh, too many times. To, to yeah, the to series agree. starts <laughs> real early for the Raptors. Usually, the series but. starts when the Raptors uh, can't beat the Cavs in game one. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I really dislike that one. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah. I understand it. It's like, you know, uh, I, actually, I don't understand it. That's that's why I take on bridge with that one. Uh, um, my favorite one is probably just, look, it's all just one game. No matter what happens, it's one game. Right. And I, I like that because I think because you're so emotionally invested, you're so focused, you're thinking about it all the time. You're like, listen to this show and we're previewing it for a week straight. Like there's so much hype that goes into it that when you lose, there's like an extra, there's an extra emotional burden. That's part of why the playoffs, generally speaking, not a fun time. Yeah. You're not just sitting yeah. around being like, oh, I'm having so much fun. Look at the Raptors in the postseason. You're like, oh, my God. Why did that go wrong? Why did that go wrong? Why is Chris Boucher fouling out in 15 minutes? Why is Fred picking up two fouls in one minute? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why is Joel Embiid, like, you know, t- dominating the Raptors? You know, why are they over? You start to get into your head too much. You have to step out of it. Live the holistic lifestyle. It really is only one game. <laughs> I love when you give this advice. This man's <laughs> going to be, I'm like the, oh, I'm my gosh. Let me, screen, let me screen this. cap these tweets from you tonight at 7.45 p.m. <laughs> nah, We're going to read them good, tomorrow. <laughs> no, it's all good. But <laughs> yeah. no, but seriously, though, it's it's really just one game. Even the Raptors lose tonight, like, I still think that the, the series doesn't start until a team loses at home, baby. <laughs> no, no, no. If, if they lose tonight, if they lose tonight. <laughs> no, the series you, wouldn't have started, though. It's, it's all that's good. right. You're going you, you, zero, zero. You're gonna to get a buffet of cliches tomorrow uh, yeah i also like when the team loses the first two on the road and they just say you know you know the other team did what they had to do you know they they protected home court and now it's our turn yeah and it's like no no no, no. i don't want to fall behind 2-0 i don't want to have to win four out of five like no <laughs> like like i don't know man yeah, well, so what was your job when you want to, when you played this game when you put on the uniform it was just to go ahead and lose like <laughs> oh no. i'm gonna i'm gonna track I, as, <laughs> I really dislike sports cliches i'm sorry because you could get so thoughtful about sports you yes know, there's so much emotion that goes into it Say something, man. Don't just autopilot and be like, yeah, both teams play hard. Like, come yeah, on, man. I'm going to keep track of the cliches as I hear them in the playoffs, and I'll keep running them by you. Okay. All right. That's well. it. Raptors winning tonight.
You're calling it? Alex Guarantee. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, 1-1. One, Who, one. Who's a who's a surprise? Who's the Gerald Henderson Award winner? For the Raptors? For, for Philly. For Philly? Uh, Georgia's Niang. No, no, no. For, for, for uh, Toronto? For Toronto, yeah. Armani Brooks. Yeah. Four threes. What? In eight minutes. Four threes? In eight minutes. Okay, I would love that. All right, uh, we're going to hold you to that one. So that does it for us today. I'm your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. Thanks again to my producer and co-host, Alex Wong, to our guest, Mo DeKeel, uh, to Alvin Williams, and our board producer, um, Derek Brantale and Jennifer Rollins for helping us behind the scenes with the YouTube stream. I will talk to you soon.